Hi, I'm Frank Tissia Burns, and this is 360 North. Can you imagine trying to express yourself in a language that you don't know? It kind of seems impossible, right? But that's a little bit how JC Firth Hagen felt when she was trying to learn about her Gwich'in culture without actually knowing the language. And sadly, today that knowledge is pretty scarce. According to StatsCan, there are fewer than 400 Gwich'in speakers around today. JC started a social media campaign three years ago called Hashtag Speak Gwich'in to Me to try and bring back the language. Later this month, on National Indigenous Peoples Day, there's actually going to be a documentary premiere focusing on her efforts. Masia to JC for taking the time to chat. Hi, JC. This is Frances from the podcast. How are you? Doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. To start off, I, I, I seem to do this with my guests, but I kind of start with a quote that they uh, that I've seen from them in the past. So my quote for you is uh, a story from APTN where you said, the only thing that I've ever really been interested in that's inspired me and that's motivated me is to learn the Gwich'in language. So I'm kind of wondering where that feeling comes from. Yeah, so I wasn't interested in school. I didn't like being in school. I didn't like sports. Like, I was just an unmotivated, uninterested kid. But for some reason, I always loved my language, like, which in language. And it always helped me when I was feeling down, like, being able to learn which in and speak it and spend time with elders. Just, just like a passion and a love of mine. You kind of said something there. I'm wondering, kind of helping you when you were feeling down, what was that like? Like, why was the language something that you would turn to? Yeah, it was honestly one of the only things that made me feel better. <laughs> That's uh, definitely a big motivator and um, why I can do this today, really, and be so passionate about it. Um, you mentioned also kind of that interaction with elders. And I'm wondering, how do you balance, you know, that, that traditional knowledge that they carry when it comes to language and the social media campaign that you've launched? Um, I'm not too sure what you mean by balance. Fair enough. I mean, how do you translate their knowledge to the younger generation using social media? Oh, okay. So I could just start, like, I grew up with elders my whole life, and I was very grateful to have knowledgeable parents and grandparents who passed on their knowledge of which in culture and history like my grandma, Sarah, uh, she's she's always available to speak with me when I have questions. And my dad is so knowledgeable. He was a bush, he's been a bush pilot in the Mackenzie Delta for over 30 years. And they'll be telling me stories. And that's so amazing. And just having the opportunity to grow up in Inuvik and Arthur's Territories, traveling to Fort McPherson and C.A. Chick and the Northwest Territories. I wanted to translate that onto social media, onto Sikuch Indemi, because I know that my knowledge and what's helped me will also help and uplift another person. Yeah, it seems to be like it all comes through, I guess, uh, through the language, all of that knowledge. Yeah, it's definitely holistic. So before we chatted, I was looking at stats, and I'm sure you're familiar with these, but essentially there's only a few hundred Gwich'in speakers, I guess fluent speakers, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Are like, Does it frustrate you? Is it sad? Yeah, growing up it was really frustrating, and it made me feel really sad. 
like to hear that my language might go extinct in my lifetime. Definitely like really heartbreaking. When I was 14 years old, I really started striving and working towards being fluent in in language. I'm grateful and fortunate to have the opportunity to attend in language lessons from like grade one to grade 12. And then um, after I graduated high school and moved from Anuva to Yellowknife, I kind of lost that all the resources that I had to learn the language. So I was, uh, became very frustrated that it seemed like there was, I didn't know where to, where to go or who to speak to. I listened to the radio, like, existing resources, radio in language, I had a in dictionary I got from the in tribal council. And then when I started in to me, it just opened up a whole world of in language fluency and resources. I've become connected with so many in language speakers, like our elders, our language learners, speakers and teachers have always worked hard and have never stopped trying and fighting for our language. I definitely feel very happy, grateful, and empowered now because our languages are living and they may be sleeping. Mm-hmm. They just need to be awakened. And yeah, our language speakers and learners and teachers will never go away. That's uh, that's an interesting way to look at it where it's an ongoing uh See, the words that come to mind are like struggle and battle, but I, I like I don't I don't know if that's how you see it so much as just kind of like a continuous learning. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so just going from like a dark place where, where I was angry and I was sad and frustrated on the statistics on my language. So I think the last stats I was looking at and speaking of was about five percent of the Gucci nation is about nine thousand in our traditional territories in the Northwest Territories, the Yukon and Alaska. Mm-hmm. And about 5% of the Gwich'in Nation still speaks the language, mostly being over the age of 65. Wow. Yeah, even just looking at that stat. and But then, like, with speak Gwich'in to me, I'm way... Of course, I don't understand everything that that's involved in language revitalization and language documentation, but I've, I have a very large network and I'm able to follow the people that are doing the hard work and that are they have dedicated their lives to language learning and language revitalization because it is very difficult work. But the key is just to never give up. Uh, uh, in Alaska, they teach the in language in university. In the Yukon, they're uploading in language interactive storybooks. Oh, cool. And the in language and cultural institute is always working on in language resources such as apps. All these amazing initiatives are coming up and it's just going to get like easier to learn the in language and our people are working so hard. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple things in there that I want to follow up on. Um, but you, you say like the technology and the new resources. I think I saw... I think I saw a CBC story or something where it was um, an app for Gwich'in, but it was actual recordings of elders kind of speaking the different words. Have you Are you familiar with the app? Yes. Uh, right now I'm familiar with three different Gwich'in language apps. Okay. 
there's like a, an app to learn Gwich'in, an app to hear Gwich'in singing, that's uh, past recordings of Gwich'in elders singing. And there's a app of the dictionary and the Gwich'in language and this holy more. You mentioned the majority of speakers now are over 65. I wonder, knowing that you kind of have a a sense of responsibility to take over afterwards, being the younger generation? Yeah, like I've definitely always felt this responsibility. And even at a young age, I question if I'm Gwich'in, why am I speaking English and mm. not Gwich'in? Like I can't even speak my language. And it was just like so weird to me. Was it nice finally when you launched the campaign to find other people who were kind of in that same boat? Was that a, a new motivation? Yes, it was definitely very easy to feel lonely and isolated. Like um, language revitalization functions and conversations I've participated in. And it's like I'm learning my language, but I have no one to talk to sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Although, um, like my mother is starting to speak with Chind anymore. I didn't grow up with language in the home. So it's like super sweet to see with my work. Like my family is becoming more interested and encouraged to speak the language and to learn. Yeah, that must be pretty special. Yeah, just hanging out with friends and being like, speak Gwich'in or having people say like, uh, teach me Gwich'in, I want to speak with you. Do you do you try and speak it every day? Like how have, have you become more and more fluent? Do you consider yourself kind of like fully fluent speaker so far or not quite yet? Yeah, I don't consider myself fluent. I'm still a beginner. Like, I can say my numbers, my colors, the days, what the weather is, basic conversation, animals. But I can't have, like, a full-on conversation. I can't translate to you what I'm saying right now and to in. But, um, yeah, I, I make sure I speak in every day. Like, my brain, I think, has in right by now. <laughs> I'm always thinking, what's my next step? towards learning and teaching and uh, it's been hard to practice as much as I used to okay. so I'm just kind of exploring different ways I can stay immersed in language learning and just making sure I keep up with it but at the same time being like patient and understanding of myself if I of course can't reach all of my crazy goals. <laughs> <laughs> so you started the the campaign in 2015 is that right? Yeah. Okay. Having done this for three years, what have you learned throughout that time? Oh my gosh. It feels like three years ago, I was basically a different person. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned, you know, meeting meeting more people. Was that something that, that you were expecting when you were going to launch? Were you thinking that there were more people like you who really wanted to reconnect with the Gwich'in culture and language? No, I just... I wasn't really expecting anything. I just thought that like, I'm going to create this Facebook group. I'm going to post on it. Maybe like 10 people will like it. And then I think I'm up to 3,000 members altogether on my different social media accounts. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it feels like and seems like just off the bat, it was a national and international campaign. I didn't know that I'd ever be connected with other interested and fluent in language speakers, be able to do public speaking, or even like recently I've been invited to speak at a UNESCO AGM in Ottawa. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just very incredible. I launched a clothing line. 
There was money crowdfunded to grow a speech in me. I've been featured on local, national, international news outlets. They're so incredible. In the group, um, so you're you're focusing on Gwich'in, obviously, but it kind of ties into this larger push and hunger for a lot of these Indigenous language revitalization campaigns. Well, Gwich'in isn't the only language endangered. Mm-hmm. Of course, in the Northwest Territories, I believe most of our Indigenous languages are endangered and probably the majority of the Indigenous languages across Canada and the world. The way I think about it, like, my grandma, Sarah's first language is Gwich'in. She wasn't allowed to speak it. And it's like our language was ripped away from us. And now it's, it still is. Uh, um, if our languages are on the verge of extinction and many nations haven't gotten the chance or the resources to even speak their language, they've had to basically pick it up and learn it from the ground up from like some nations have to learn it from archives and yeah I share a lot of resources because our languages are so important it's such a vital part of our identity how can I be in without my in language really and with their languages is their worldview of like our ancestors what they've seen on the land 200 years ago is in our language that we still speak today. I think uh, like a really cool example is um, a word for rainbow in which in is Gudadri Tithia, I believe. And that translates into, um, and sorry, it's, it's a word for spider web, but it translates into rainbow or something. Oh, wow. Okay. So this thing about my ancestors' worldview, looking at a spider web hundreds of years ago and seeing that reflection like a rainbow. It's so beautiful. That's actually something that I wanted to ask you about where in doing research, um, I saw that Nat Nobed, who's the president of ITK, advocating for an Indigenous languages law, essentially, and how he was saying that, you know, the entire Inuit worldview is best expressed through Inuktut. You mentioned it a little bit, but I'm wondering if there are other uh, Gwich'in concepts or ideas that English or French just can't accommodate properly. I don't have that much of an in-depth understanding of Gwich'in like that, but I can explain like a very big thing is such as Gwich'in actually translates into English as the people. Okay. And this is similar for other nations too, but saying the Gwich'in is actually saying the, the, which in. <laughs> okay, like the, the people. Yeah, sorry, the, the people, yeah. So it's kind of funny, like, the simple little things that you don't think about don't translate into English that well. And I guess kind of in line with that, actually, how do you, I'm curious what your thoughts are about people like me, settler Canadians, who want to try and learn an Indigenous language, or what our responsibility is, if at all, to kind of engage with these languages? Um, I'd just say uh, feel free to learn it, like enroll your children in Indigenous language classes, attend community Indigenous language classes, if they're, if everyone's welcome to join. But of course, like it's always a risk and a kind of like a hot topic if someone that's not from that Indigenous group is going to go and profit off our languages or something like that, or our culture. Mm-hmm. 
prefer for sure just hold space and be respectful. Yeah, yeah. I guess the the language is is only one part of it, right? If you're gonna if you're going to start do that, one check your motivations, make sure what they are, and and be respectful, but also kind of understand that it there are larger implications than just the language. Yeah. Um. This is a bit of a, a weird kind of sideways question, but I, when I was talking to people uh, that I was going to interview you and have you on the show and kind of chat about what you were doing with the campaign, some people didn't, they didn't realize that Gwich'in and these other languages weren't related to the Inuit because there's this wrong idea that, you know, everyone who lives in the North uh, are all Inuit and they all speak Inuktuk. So I was wondering, in talking to people like me and other people from the South or from different parts of the country, have you run into that idea that you've had to kind of explain to people that, no, we're not Inuit, we're, we're not, we're an entirely different people, we have, you know, a different culture and all of that? Yeah, that even happens in Yellowknife, which is kind of weird to Really? Me. Wow. Yeah, but the Northwest Territories is so vast, I admit, I barely... Like, I didn't know anything about the Northwest Territories myself because I'm from, like, right before the tree line ends and then it's the Arctic Ocean. Like, I'm from the northern part of the North, North, Northwest Territories above the Arctic Circle. So even just growing up, there was that, like, not not sure if I should call it isolation or just, I wasn't taught it, right? Um, but, yeah, it's weird having to still tell people today that which in, they're kind of, like, well, we're Athabascan, but I think we could be categorized as Dene. And then the Inuit, the Alouit, our neighbors are Inuit. And um, yeah, Gwich'in are the most northerly. Uh, I'm not too sure which terms to say, but like northern group that's not Inuit. Okay, okay. We could say indigenous, aboriginal, native. <laughs> not too sure which, which is the exact terminology, but... Yeah, like one of my friends came up to me around Yellowknife and someone asked them if Gwich'in was the language of Yellowknife. <laughs> the language of Yellowknife, wow. I saw something recently, and this is this is totally just an aside, but I saw some uh, a tweet recently that said um, someone went up to a reporter and asked if Yellowknife was in the GTA. <laughs> hmm. That's funny. Um, you had mentioned that you were coming down to Ottawa to speak. Was it at a, a UNESCO organization? Yes, the Canadian place for UNESCO, something like that. And then soon after that, there's the documentary that's coming out. Is that right? Yes. On June, on Aboriginal Day, the Speak Into Me documentary will be released. Can you talk to me a little bit about the uh, the documentary, what the process was like and how it how it got started? Yeah, so actually, um, I met Johanna Luna, a radio host, and she was working for CKLB, a local NWT radio station. I was doing some work with CKLB, and she heard about a thing with like in language. She basically said she wants to make a documentary, and I was like, sure. A couple of months later, we were in Whitehorse filming. Was it kind of to try and find other Gwich'in speakers? Yeah, it's a documentary sharing the love of the Gwich'in language and the importance of it. So were you like a producer on uh, on the documentary or was it kind of a tag team between the two of you? 
Uh, Jia Johan is the major producer, and we have a film crew, Eddie Duan, and editors. I was more like, um, I had involvement along the way, and yeah, I'm also like the main character of the documentary. What was that experience like? Oh, yeah, it was weird. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, what do I say? I'm literally going to be talking in front of a camera for a documentary that's going to be viewed by people all over. And I just did it. It's basically my motto is just do it. Believe in myself. Fair enough. It seems to have worked so far. Yes. I'm going to try my hand here, but is thank you Masi in Gwich'in? Yes. Good job, Masi. That's it for this episode of 360 North. As always, I'd love to get your feedback. And to do that, you can send me an email or also leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. That'll help us get more listeners to the show. And while you're there, you can subscribe in iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. Music for 360 North was written by Simon Léger, and the sound is courtesy of JP and Pop-Up Podcasting. And if you like the show and want to see it grow, then you can also check out our Patreon page. Of course, links to all of that are going to be in the show notes. With that, see you in a couple weeks.